Hey everyone, uh, my name is and I'm in Washington here. I'm a marijuana addict and I'm just here to share my story, I guess, of kind of how I got here and um, some of my experience, strength, and hope. So um, the the kind of thing that inspired this share is something I heard on an earlier meeting, which is uh, one of our slogans, um, which is don't stop before the miracle happens. So kind of want to talk about the beginning and what it was like for me coming here and how kind of some of those miracles have come about. Um, another one of the quotes of our program is, you know, as after working these steps, miracles have become an everyday reality, right? So coming here, I mean, I could talk a lot about the time that I spent before I came here. And I'm sure it's a lot very similar to what a lot of other people have gone through, which is that you know, I tried for years and years and years, like it talks about in our in our literature in step one. I tried for years and years and years to stop with hiding my stash and playing games with how I would, you know, how much I would smoke, how much I was allowed to smoke. I'd only smoke after work, only smoke on the weekends, only smoke other people's weed, all that stuff. And none of it worked for me, of course. And I also thought it was just a matter of willpower and just deciding to stop. And none of that worked. Um, but for some reason, you know, I came here, I found this meeting. I remember when I found the meeting, I was so frustrated because I was trying to call into these meetings. And every time I would call, I would hear the dial tone, you know, like the, um, not the dial tone, but the, the, the music that plays when nobody's on the line. And finally, out of frustration, I sent this strongly worded email to, you know, MA support, which I know now is run by some really awesome people. Of course, back then I didn't know what MA was. I thought it was just some like HR person or something, which is funny to think about now. And I said, I really would like to get on one of these phone calls, but it's not very helpful because every time that I try to call into the meeting, nobody's there. And they said, oh, you know, they're so kind. And they got back to me really quickly and said, yeah, it's, um, the meetings are listed in Eastern Standard Time. So I'm wondering if you're calling in from another, um, another time zone. <laughs> I felt like such a stoner because I was, I was calling in from Pacific Standard Time. So no duh that I was calling in at, you know, the time listed in Eastern Time and nobody was there. Um, but that was kind of... You know, I was thinking of something else as my first miracle, but now that I'm looking back on it, that kind of was my first miracle, you know, that that I even stuck it out to send that email and that someone got back to me. And, you know, I, I, I heard it shared on the line the other day that um, we're coming up on um, our five-year anniversary of the phone lines. And it kind of clicked in me. That's crazy because that means that the phone lines were created just a little bit over six months after I, or sorry, before I came into them. So I just took it for granted that all this stuff was kind of laid out before me and that I got that email and that I did call into the lines. And the first meeting I got on was, I think, a 5 p.m. one. And I got on for like the last five minutes of the call. I was really like hanging on by a thread. And they used to announce at the end, you know, if anybody has a burning desire, you know, and they say if any newcomers have any questions. And, 
you know, I, I, I did announce myself and say, you know, I just got in this meeting. I didn't really understand how to call in and what the times were. And now I'm here and it seems like it's too late. But all these people stayed on the meeting after and they talked to me. And something about that just resonated with me to hear other people on the line that this person who just randomly called in, you know, and just happened to stay on after. And so I said, okay, tomorrow morning, I wake up every morning at 9am. And I normally pick up my pipe or my bong and I smoke it. I'm not going to do that tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up at 9am and I'm going to call into this meeting. And I took all my stuff out to the dumpster like I had done tons of times before. But I hoped that this time, you know, I wouldn't dig it out of the trash or I wouldn't go and buy some more. Um, and I did, you know, I, I, I called into that meeting. And I, thank God, since then I haven't gone, bought more, started over. So something about these meetings, there's some sort of miracle there. I used to believe in miracles. And even saying that word miracle sounds cheesy to me, but... I do. I see miracles happen in little miracles, you know, little miracles every day, but surely big miracles every once in a while. The reason I like that slogan, don't stop before the miracle happens is because it really comes when I least expected it every time that a miracle had happened. So, you know, I called into these lines and I was, I was struggling to get by as a lot of people are, you know, and early recovery is no joke. I'm really glad that I kind of just dove headfirst into getting a bunch of people's numbers and texting them out of habit, even if I didn't feel like I needed to talk to anybody, just to kind of get myself rooted in the program. I quickly was able to find some people that, you know, were on the same trajectory as me, started around the same time as me, and we could support each other for what we were both going through at the same time. And it was also really helpful to get um, a therapist pretty early into my recovery within, I think, the first three months or so, I was able to get back into therapy. And that was really helpful, too. But, you know, looking back on my recovery, I've, I've been sober for four years, three months, and a handful of days. And I I think that the first time that I saw a miracle happen was when I had almost had one year sober. And that was a really big, uh, you know, milestone, for, as it is for anybody. Um, but for me, I had a lot of, on my mind because I had talked to my sponsor and I had said, you know, when I start, started being sponsored by her, I told her, you know, I, I, I haven't been drinking alcohol because they recommend no mind or mood altering substances. But to be honest with you, I don't have a problem with alcohol. And she said, okay, Molly, if you think you don't have a problem with alcohol, then that's fine. But what I say is that, you know, you don't you don't drink for a year. And if you can not drink alcohol for a year, then sure, you don't have a problem. And you can decide what you want to do at that point. So what ended up happening was I had that kind of heavy thought weighing on my mind for a while as my one year was coming up. So on one hand, I was really excited for my one year. And on the other hand, I had this kind of like big responsible choice to make. I did still think that I didn't have a problem with alcohol. To this day, I'm not really sure I have a problem with alcohol. Uh, but that's not really the point. The point is that I didn't know if I should drink or what would happen if I drank, you know? Um, I, I didn't know if it would just be like, well, I never had a problem with alcohol, so drinking's fine. Or drinking would be the trigger that would kind of set off the dominoes that would bring me back to my marijuana addiction or a new addiction to alcohol. I had no clue, right? So I, I think that that was weighing on me 
And I also think that just out of nowhere, something just came over me and I just felt pretty hopeless. And, you know, they say at the end of the meetings, or they at least they used to on this line I called into, they would say before they close the meeting, now does anybody have a burning desire? And I had about a week until it was my one year mark and I knew I needed to speak up. You know, I could feel myself. You know, I didn't have a pipe in my hand. I wasn't driving to the weed store or anything, but I knew I had a burning desire. And um, I just said, you know, I don't know what's come over me. I'm going to have a year in one week and I have a burning desire. I just feel like giving up on all this. I don't really understand the point. It just feels kind of pointless. And I said, okay, stay on after the meeting. And I will never forget that meeting because after the meeting, they said, Hey, Molly, I'm here for you. And I want to hear everybody else on the meeting that's here for you too. And one by one, everybody that was on that meeting said, they unmuted their phone and they said, I'm here for you, Molly. I'm here for you, Molly. I'm here for you. And I just broke down in tears. And it it makes me tearful even to think about it now because to think that there was all those people that were thinking of me and they were willing to tell me, you know, that they're here for me and they don't want me to relapse, you know? It was amazing. And I had a, like a spiritual awakening when that, that moment happened. I, found, I felt surrounded by love from the universe. And I couldn't, I couldn't um, hold it back. That's why I started crying. I just started expressing all this love that I was feeling outpouring towards me. And it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. And that amazing feeling right there made the choice for me. I said, you know what? I don't want to drink because that's the point. I can feel that way without ever smoking, without ever drinking. I can feel this amazing spiritual connection in this program to other people, to my higher power, to the world around me, to nature, to animals that I could never get when I am altering my consciousness. And that was just my choice. You know, I, I, I still completely respect people in the program that make different choices. But for me, that was a miracle that happened that day. That I had people that cared so much about me. That they went out on a limb to ask someone to, to ask everybody on the meeting to announce if they were there for me. And sure enough, everybody did. I mean, I, I owe so, so, so much to that, to that moment and to the, the, everybody who spoke out for me in that moment. Because it kept me sober. And I'm still sober today because of that. Because I have that to go back and lean on. And realize I care about other people in the program. And they care about me. So that was just the first miracle. Unless you're counting the email miracle of finally getting on the meeting. That came up for me. Sorry to cut out for a minute. My recording stopped. But I'm back now. So... Like I was saying, that was the first real miracle that I, looking back on my recovery, I see and it's just, you know, glaring at me. Um, There are a million little miracles, um, seriously, every single day and along the road that are so simple that they just kind of slip through my fingers like sand. But that one I will never forget. And there have been many more that have kind of reminded me that this is a program for living, like it says, not just for not smoking, you know, I'm not sure that I couldn't not smoke without MA, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) but I kind of have realized that even if I could be dry, like they say, if I could be dry, but not sober, I would just be the most irritable, (laughs) ungrateful, dry, 
stoner, you know? And so that's what makes me realize that this program is about miracles. This program is about spirituality. This program is about um, the, the, the growth that I've made in my life as a result of working the steps and as a result of leaning on this community in those times where a miracle's around the corner and I just can't see it yet. Because it's like climbing a hill, right? It's just so grueling and painful until you get to the peak and you look out and you see this beautiful, beautiful view and you feel so connected to everything and you have this rush of adrenaline and you think, oh my God, it was all worth it. But I couldn't have known that it was all worth it until I got to the top because it just felt like pain. That's how every miracle in the program has been for me. And when it says miracles become everyday realities, it's not kidding, you know? Um, I'm amazed at the amount of gifts that I've gotten from the universe <laughs> as a result of being sober and being active in my recovery and just being open to receiving um, whatever my higher power's will is. You know, every night I say, I pray for knowledge of your will and the power to carry that out. And that's given me stuff that I could have never expected, you know? It's like kind of, there's a saying that I don't remember exactly, but basically the gist of it is that when God doesn't give you what you want, there's something better coming. And I have found that so much. I, you know, when I first went to therapy because my marijuana addiction, like I said, I got into therapy right when I started in these rooms and, you know, I just... I just wanted some support for my sobriety and I found that there was a lot of deeper stuff under my marijuana use. One of the things that I've really struggled with is anxiety and I was under the delusion for years that smoking was um, a medical marijuana to help me with my anxiety and it took me a really long time to realize actually that it was making my anxiety much worse and it was giving me anxiety about things I'd never had anxiety about before because now it was just a just a reason to be worried about not having marijuana. And if I didn't have marijuana, what was I going to do? And how soon could I get home from whatever event I was going to so that I could get high, so that I could feel okay? Because I never felt okay unless I was high. So one of the things that I've been working on that I realized was um, kind of one of the things that I wasn't able to do because of my anxiety was driving. And I have a huge history with driving and I won't get into it, but basically there's a lot of trauma connected to driving in my past. And I never had made that connection before because I never really wanted to learn how to drive, you know, when it came the time to get my license and all that stuff. I mean, I wanted the independence, but I didn't, I was really scared of driving. I always have been really scared of driving. And eventually how it culminated was I crashed my car. Um, You know, I was smoking weed all the time and I crashed my car. My power steering locked up and I was in no position to be able to handle that situation. And my car crashed. And I didn't drive for a while after that because I didn't have a car. Um, I got sober, you know, number of years went by. Uh, My husband bought a car and now we have this car. And I, I think that was when I realized not only can I not drive, but I don't want to drive. Even if, you know, we have the car and the family and all that stuff, I still don't want to drive because driving absolutely terrifies me. Even just 
So I realized that, you know, driving wasn't something I was interested in doing anymore. And somewhere along the way, I kind of just decided that this wasn't something that I could do anymore because I wasn't smoking weed anymore. So how was I going to be able to numb the pain that was the like really bad anxiety that driving brought up in me, even when I was, you know, in the car with other people driving. And I kind of started to see the this way that anxiety made my world smaller and smaller and smaller in very much the same way that marijuana did, right? Um, used to be I couldn't go somewhere for so long because I would have to make sure that I could be home to get high. And now it was I could only do so many things because, oh, my anxiety would come up and I can't handle it. So this is kind of what I think it means when it says that this is a program for living, you know, is that... I had to like use these tools and lean into that discomfort to see a different way, you know, and I think that working the steps and working through my character defects and inventory of my fears and all of these different tools that we have were able to look at myself and not just my marijuana addiction, which was super important, right? But the reason for my marijuana addiction and the reason that led me to these behaviors because Without looking at the behaviors underneath my addiction, I would just fill something in with that hole, right? That's why I say that if I was just a dry stoner, then I would be really ungrateful. But I've got gratitude lists. I've got a list I do every day of the things I'm powerless over. And that's really helped me kind of hammer out, like, what are the things I need to be working on turning over to my sponsor and turning over to my higher power? And also having hope. Being a part of this program and quitting weed really gave me a lot of hope because I did something that I never thought that I could do again before. And so now, I'm like, maybe I could do it again. Maybe that I could do something that really scares me. Maybe. I don't know. It took me a long time. I thought about it for a long time. I thought about my anxiety around driving for a long time. And first, it just started with me working on the anxiety that I felt when other people were driving, you know? And I started to see some progress coming out about that too. But it still seemed really far away. Anyways, by being willing to work on this stuff, by being willing to have hope in myself, and I think most importantly in my journey, that all this stuff doesn't just happen overnight. And remember, like I said, talking about miracles here, they come when at least expect them. Something kind of amazing happened. Um, Last weekend, I drove for the first time. For the first time in five whole years, I drove. Um, I only drove in the driveway, but I was learning how to do a stick shift, so that's kind of why, because I was learning how to get into first gear and all that stuff, and hopefully next weekend, I'll try again, and I will get into second gear and keep making progress, but the point is, I did something that I thought, at one point, I thought, I might never do that again, and that was when I was sober that I thought that. And so it kind of showed me that even if I'm not smoking weed, there's always something that I can be working on in the program. And it always comes back to weed because if I'm getting complacent, if I'm not growing, then that's exactly the place I want to be. I want to be smoking because I kind of get that voice in my head that thinks, what's the point? I'm not doing anything right now. I might as well be smoking. I haven't smoked in so, so many years, so many months, whatever. I could smoke again. But it's those little miracles along the way that have kind of showed me that's the reason I'm here. That's the reason I'm not smoking. 
because this kind of growth doesn't happen when you're stoned. I was talking to my sponsor about, you know, some interpersonal stuff that I'm struggling with. And they said, you know, as long as that person is smoking weed, they're not going to see the stuff that you're seeing that they're going through. They're, they're not ready to see it. They're turned, they've turned off their reality, you know? And that's kind of what I, what I talk about when I think about the years that I smoked. It's kind of like everything was just on pause, you know? And when I got to MA, I was starting to realize that not only was it on pause, but it was starting to, I was starting to lose track of everything. There wasn't going to be a way that I could unpause and just continue where I was at. If I didn't get serious about recognizing that what I had was an addiction and that what I have is an addiction, I should say. So that's kind of where I am today. You know, I'm really grateful for all these little miracles that happen. There's more than just the driving. There's more than just the spiritual awakening and feeling connected to my fellows and making the realization that I didn't need to drink, even if I didn't have a drinking problem. Um, You know, there's also the fact that I was able to go back to school and even consider pursuing the career that I wanted to pursue. You know, there's, there's the, 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 the miracle of, you know, an apartment that my husband and I never thought that we could find falling into our laps for, for a year before we had to move. And, you know, it's just kind of showed me that a lot of the growth that I've made, I never expected it to happen. It kind of, it kind of happened after really, really hard times. And that's why it says don't stop before the miracle happens, right? Because you don't see the miracle coming. It just happens. And it doesn't always happen because of what I'm doing either. It happens because of my higher power. It happens because of all of you that are listening. It it happens because I'm showing up and just being a part of this community that's bigger than me. And so I'm not going to know when it's going to come. But when it does come, I'll know that it's there. And yeah, I think that that's all I have to share about today. Um, I hope that that offered some strength for some of you that feel like you don't, you don't know when that's coming. I think that's the way that it's supposed to be. You never know when the miracle's coming. And you never know when the next miracle is coming. You don't just get one. <laughs> Miracles become an everyday reality. So, yeah. Thanks for listening to my share today. And I hope all of you have a wonderful day.